Welcome to this special Lend It USA 2017 edition of the Lend Academy podcast. My name is Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy. So on the show today, we have a special guest. We have uh, Congressman Patrick McHenry from North Carolina. He has been in Congress for quite some time. And I think if you look at, if you took a poll of, uh, uh, or you took a quiz of all 535 uh, members of Congress, both the Senate and, uh, and the lower house, I don't think there'd be anyone who understands the industry better than uh, Congressman McHenry. He has made uh, uh, certainly FinTech one of his focuses and he has, he has a, I think, a greater understanding than, than pretty much anybody in, uh, in Washington, D.C. So on that note, uh, welcome to the podcast, Congressman Henry. Well, thanks, Peter. Thanks for having me on. Okay, so I want to get started by going back a few years, back to your, your first term in Congress. You were the youngest member of Congress when you first got elected at uh, the ripe old age of 33. So first question, why did you choose politics as your career? To, to make a difference. I mean, that, that, that's the that's best motivation to get involved in the political process is to make a difference for your fellow man. And I, I still think uh, there are high ideals that can be uh, represented in political engagement. It doesn't have to be coarse. It doesn't have to be base. It, uh, you can really get some things done and, and help people and improve, improve the country and improve the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then I want to start talking about finance a little bit. We've, you are the vice chairman of the House Financial Services Committee. Can you just tell the listeners what, what are the responsibilities of that committee? Well, uh, we're the primary legislative basis for securities law, banking, real estate, and oversight of the government-sponsored enterprises around lending. So Fannie, Freddie, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and the like, as well as oversight over the housing and urban development uh, department. So expansive, quite expansive. Just mm-hmm. Securities alone can take up your, your whole time right. or uh, regulation of uh, community banks or large banks can take up the wholeness of your activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and the work that I do uh, tends to be sort of broad-based across the jurisdiction, but really involving financial innovation and how you bring that to bear across uh, different segments within financial services. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I know that you were one of the uh, driving forces for the Jobs Act, which you know, uh, President Obama signed into law back in 2012. Why have you decided to focus on fintech and, and access to capital and that sort of thing? Well, most of the debate in Washington has been about Dodd-Frank. And so uh, you have Republicans say, not Dodd-Frank, and Democrats say, yes, Dodd-Frank. Right. And um, uh, it's not even a 1980s beer commercial. It's just, you know, <laughs> it's just shouting. And so... I think there's fruitful discussions around innovation. How do you deploy new technology, big data, and bring that to bear on societal needs, access to capital, financial inclusion? Mm -hmm. And I think there's a huge opportunity around fintech, broadly defined, that can move legislation, move regulation, and open up new markets, new opportunities for for families, for small businesses, and for individuals across the country. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. One of the things you said in your presentation today that uh, struck me, and I hadn't really thought about it, to be honest, before you talked about this, and you said 
how that they're in small towns there's less entrepreneurship than than there used to be and you you're you're from a small town yourself i mean what do you think is the is the reason for that well a couple of things um i think there's there's some certainly macro things at work in our in our economy that that are problematic and uh but i i think broadly put you have financial institutions banks used to have a majority of their assets in small business loans mm-hmm. that was 20 years ago today it's uh it's 20% of their balance sheets are small business loans. So I think you see a shift in who banks and financial institutions are willing to lend to, and that's drying up capital in rural areas. I think you see also this movement with fewer banks. You know, each year, each month passes, we lose more financial institutions. Those institutions have been disproportionately in small towns and rural communities. So. Small towns and rural communities face similar challenges to folks in urban areas in being starved for capital and new business capital and folks that want to take a little bit of risk but don't have, don't have somebody to lend them the money. They don't have uh, friends with deep pockets. That happens in rural areas. happens in urban areas. Mm-hmm. If you're born on the wrong side of the tracks, it's much more problematic to get startup capital. Right. I think fintech is a solution to that. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about something that is uh, community agnostic, uh, racially blind. I mean, it's it's a it's a you know the capacity to use technology is a, is a wonderful thing for our society. I think. So that does that mean by you know like following on from that, do you think that entrepreneurship will return to rural communities? In a you think we'll get more new businesses starting up in rural communities because of this? I think so. I think fintech is helping fill in those gaps in a way that may not be the, the first order intention, but has the great benefit mm-hmm. uh, to our society. And folks that maybe it's a daunting process to go into the bank, you don't know a banker, right? But you're, you feel safe and secure from rejection <laughs> in an online environment. Right. Just it, it's the, the market is so shifted and the consumer electronics revolution has really shifted people's mindsets and, and understanding of online risk. And I think it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I want to talk a little bit about politics for a while. You've got, so the Republicans are obviously in control of the White House, Senate, and the House of Representatives. You know, do you think there's an opportunity to advance an innovation package? I know you've sort of, you've worked on this in the past, but a package that can really help the fintech sector continue to you know, improve financial services for consumers and mm-hmm. small businesses? I, I think there is. And I have you know, a handful of pieces of legislation that are, that are focused on different segmentation uh, of, of change. So different aspects of, of change you can, you can work through the process. So I, I think you can do individual single-shot fixes. For instance, uh, Madden versus Midland fix. So we return to the principle valid when made mm-hmm. for lending. I think uh, single-shot fixes like that can, can work their way through. And I think uh, later in the year, there's hope for a, a range of these policies packaged together that can make their way through the House, the Senate, and signed by the President. And then I know you, you mentioned also in your, uh, in your talk today about, you talked about the UK um, and in other countries. And you know, in the UK, obviously, have a much simpler regulatory structure with the FCA as really the primary financial regulator, where we've got, I don't know, 
six or seven um, financial regulators here. I look at it myself and I sometimes feel overwhelmed about the possibilities of getting getting everybody to talk together because you, you pointed out in your presentation that you had a 14-page Jobs Act document with the, you know, and that became an 800-page regulation from the SEC. So, you know, when you, with that background, and you've got to be an optimist to keep, keep, uh, to keep being in politics all this long. I mean, you know, do we have a chance that we can get on a, not just even a level playing field with the UK, but we, I mean, New York is the financial capital of the world. That is, that's still the case. But it may not be the case in 25 years' time unless we can, we can do something that really encourages innovation. So, I mean, how do you feel about the possibility of working with the regulatory agencies to implement? You might have a great idea, but then they're going to they're make it very difficult. To that's right. Implement. And so that's why I have a piece of legislation called the Financial Innovation Act, Financial Services Innovation Act, which, it, which centers around these regulators as they exist, enforcing these regulators changing the law and stating they have to have a financial innovation door they mm. open, an office that they open for innovative products that may need regulation changes and give the regulators that capacity to change those regulations by allowing beta testing uh, in certain areas. And that would enable the regulator to get data to prove out perhaps that uh, they're not meeting the consumer protection they're not providing the level of consumer protection they think they're providing under existing regs, and that new data would enable them to write better regs to protect the consumer and expand credit. So there is a, a great opportunity around financial innovation if we open those doors with the regulator, and the regulator has a congressionally mandated approach by which they have to be tech-inclusive. Right now, it depends on the regulator. Right. And that's no way to fly the ship of state and no way to compete with a, a jurisdiction like Great Britain. And there's no wonder that you know, fintech has a distinctly British accent right now. That's where the intellectual property is going. And that will be where the revenue goes for a global platform. I think we're, we're doing, without adapting, we're, we are harming our market and in ensuring that intellectual property is developed overseas rather than here at home. Right. It's, uh, I, I hear you say that. And I think it's, it's a shame that the regulatory agencies need legislation to actually open up the door for you know, new ideas in, in a way. Because I would think, you know, given the, given the advances in technology and advances in, in, all other, in all kinds of industries, you think that that's something they would all be doing without even being asked. And it seems like you know, that's, that's not the case, though. Right. And regulators are risk-averse. They're risk-averse by their very nature. And so Congress has to push them in order to adapt and change. And right now we have, I think, we've got the, the pace of change within financial technology as, is unrivaled in human history. And so we've had rapid change over the last couple of years and the way people are accessing, first of all, consumer technology is so different than it was five years ago, much less 20 years ago, 25, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Certainly different than when the Congress put in place the Securities Act and the Securities Exchange Act right. in the 1930s <laughs> and addressed a huge issue of its time, the telephone, mm -hmm. right? So likewise, we have to have a, a new footprint 
that is tech inclusive given the pace of change? Right, because I mean, I, like, you know, I had uh, the CEO of Mike Cagney on the show here yeah. a few weeks ago, and he, you know, he talks about a $2 million loan you can do on your phone. I mean, clearly, that would have been uh, science fiction even, I would say, 10 years ago. It's it certainly, that, that today it's happening commonplace, and that's, and that's what they're, they're, that's what the customers want. And so the customers want that. They're providing it, and clearly, we need uh, the laws to really catch up to it. But I want to okay. segue into the OCC FinTech Charter because the OCC is one of the few agencies that are actually taking a lead here. And you know, we have, you know, we have uh, Comptroller Curry coming. He's coming to speak at, at our conference here in a, in a short time. But I wanted to get your feeling on, you know, do you think that the Republican administration will continue to support the charter and the national framework for FinTech? Yeah, that's my hope. It really is contingent upon who the next uh, comptroller currency is. Uh, you know, obviously uh, Curry's out in two months' time, right? And so is it at a rush to to complete this process. I, I think the discussions are helpful. Uh, I think at the end of the day, we'll need uh, legislation in order for this to be a a workable, uh, usable charter in, in a larger scale way. But it, it is at least a, a tech forward view by a singular regulator. Right. I don't know that it's going to be enough, and I, I don't know that the OCC has a, a current rate, the capacity to move fast enough for this charter to be useful. But I'm, I'm, I'm glad, and uh, it is encouraging that they, they've uh, at least taken this turn as an organization, but uh, I, I want more and I want faster. <laughs> I think you know, that would echo that would echo the um, sentiments of probably everyone in this uh, this conference. Okay, so I wanted to, you mentioned data a couple of times. You mentioned it in your in your uh, remarks this morning, and I wanted to get your perspective. I mean, the, on alternative data sources, there's there's obviously a lot of concern from the consumer protection advocates that these these this, these data might have you know, disparate impact or some kind of discrimination based, you know, that would that would arise possibly inadvertently. Over, over this. Do you, what's your view of data? Do you think there's, I mean, do we need new legislation in this area or, or do you think, you know, what is your view of the opportunities for using more data that is readily available today? Well, you look at um, the consumer credit score, it's the best thing going because it's the only protection lenders have in order to comply with landmark and highly important legislation from the 1960s and 70s. But it is a very limited data set that they utilize. And it's not in conforming with the world we live in today. It was a great product in the 1970s, worked through the 1980s, mm-hmm. and has been failing for the last 20 years. <laughs> but it's what everyone runs to for protection in order to do lending, rather than the best data sources that perhaps take folks that are on the margin you give them dramatically lower rates. And so, you know, the data should be the data. The data should lead to loan outcomes, whether acceptance, rejection, or the pricing of, of capital. And we should let the data drive it. And I think looking at that, we'll see folks that, that are being left behind today 
that now can participate in the credit markets for the first time if done correctly. Mm -hmm. But we need a regulatory framework that allows that, that permits that, that encourages that. And, and it's my hope that, that we can get that from our regulators as they now stand. And short of that, we need to update the law surrounding it so that we can help those in urban areas and rural areas that, that face the same, same challenges. Right. Okay. I know you've got to go. So last question. You know, if you, you know, putting on your crystal ball, we, we sit back down again here in four years' time. What, what do you think will have actually changed legislatively and uh, regular, from the regulatory perspective? What do you actually think we will be able to get done? I think we, will, we won't be talking about Madden anymore. I think <laughs> we'll have a legislative fix for that. And I think you'll see a, a, uh, you'll see a dozen or two dozen significant pieces of legislation that involve financial innovation make it into law. And I think in, you'll also see competition among regulators for the world of fintech and that will enable fintech companies to have a diversity of options rather than none currently in terms of in structuring in their business model and interacting with washington mm-hmm. okay well i really appreciate you coming i'm on optimistic show. i'm <laughs> optimistic <laughs> that's so. great to hear so am i <laughs> great to be here lend it and uh peter thanks for the conversation okay and, and thank pleasure. you congressman well there you have it uh congressman mchenry is optimistic about the chances that we will see some real change here in Washington. I'm also optimistic. I also think that the fintech companies obviously are not going to wait around for, for new legislation. They obviously haven't done so yet. And there's obviously been a lot of innovation happening in the last 10 years under really a, a, a regulatory regime that is not very friendly. But I, I also hope that we have a situation where you know, it's not just the UK, uh, the UK obviously doing very well, but other countries around the world, are, you know, particularly now with Brexit happening, that other countries around the world are vying to be the fintech capital of the world. The reality is it should be in the USA. We have the leading capital sources here in the world with uh, it's Silicon Valley and all the, all the funding that these technology companies are able to access And we also have the financial resources here in New York where you can get basically access to capital unparalleled anywhere on earth. So it would be a shame if suddenly it was, I don't know, Shanghai or Dublin or Berlin or or some other city that, that comes to the forefront. But the reality is there are countries out there that are trying to be friendly to fintech companies and are trying to attract them. I'm hopeful that we can still keep these companies here in the U.S., keep the innovation really happening here in the U.S. And uh, you know, time will tell. It's going to be a fascinating look to see how the fintech charter pans out and how the innovation that I, I'm obviously very optimistic that the innovation will keep happening regardless. And I just hope that we have a regulatory regime that is continuing to encourage that. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. Uh, thank you very much for listening on a special Lend It edition of the podcast. And I will catch you next time. Bye.